Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That was the sound of ITV's opening theme music from the 1998 World Cup in France. This is World Cup Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And we've gone with ITV for this one rather than the BBC. Yeah, I mean, the ITV one is is always the worst. Yeah. From what we've been doing so far, it's always... I, I, I feel, feel that they're always lazy. They don't really make any attempt to link it, it into... In 1994, they didn't even bother commissioning any original music. They just used the Daryl Hall song that had been... Yeah, precisely. So they're, they're very FIFA. lazy about it. But, listeners, if you stay tuned to the end, which, incidentally, those of you who haven't been staying tuned to the end of our podcast, which at times have been quite long... Yeah. Um, you're more for you because <laughs> on many of the podcasts the end is the best bit yeah like for instance if you'd been listening to our 1986 podcast and hadn't got through to the end I believe it ran to eight hours it was it was the it was the das boot of podcasts <laughs> right if you is it das boot the one that's yeah super fucking long yeah so um if you didn't you would have missed our now legendary debate about Rats versus bats. So I just want to say from the beginning, before you really get balls deep into this podcast, don't be a dickhead. Listen to the end, even if it's really long, because we might get into an interesting debate about which animals would win in a fight. But you will also hear the BBC theme tune, which is a talking point in itself. I'll I tell you what I like. I like how you've that, that convoluted explanation there has already extended the length of this podcast on purpose. We're because beyond what it needs to be. I don't like the idea, like, you're telling me that listeners might get bored after half an hour, and I think, to be honest, I think, like, fuck those listeners. Because They're not the listeners we want. Because, yeah, exactly, they're lazy. Hmm. They're, they're lazy. It's it's like, um, I mean, a lot of people, this isn't for you or I to say, but a lot of people have been saying on social media and in the mainstream media that this World Cup time machine is very much the wire of the podcast yeah. world. As well as not just football podcasting, the no, entire podcasting genre. It's why? Because it's Dickensian in its scope and its nuance. Yeah. And like David Simon said about The Wire, when they said, shouldn't you, you know, this is quite impenetrable, the dialogue, the plotting, shouldn't you spoon feed a bit more? Mm. What about the average viewer? 
And fuck the said, average viewer. Fuck the average viewer. Mm. And I say the same to fuck the average podcast listener. Yeah. Because this is a cross between Das Boot, The Wire, and A Tale of Two Cities. And if you can't get your fucking nut round that, then go and listen to the, you know, the fucking Guardian one instead. Well, I don't see why we should <laughs> pander to these arseholes no. to you. No. And that's why I'm, I'm, you can see what I'm doing. I'm purposefully, right from the get-go, trying to make this long and convoluted mm -hmm. as a challenge to the average listener who might have thought, oh, yeah, well, World Cup podcast, quite funny, I quite like that, Andy Dawson. I might, like, download that and give it a little listen. Sounds decent. He sounds right. like a prick. And then he's like, well, the fuck's this? He's going on about fucking the wire and all that. I don't, you know, fucking hell. This is, I thought there was going to be loads of top bands. Well, there's not, so fuck off. <laughs> Fantastic. Our best opening yet, that, I think. Yeah. World Cup 1998, then France, and the first World Cup to have 32 teams. What's your initial kind of thought, if I say it to you, France 98, Sam? Very simple. It is Martin O'Neill suddenly <laughs> doing a eulogy to the song Angels by Robbie Williams. Yeah. That, for me, it defined this tournament, just like the Hand of God defined 86 yeah. or Gaza's Tears defined Every 1990. Everything else was just window dressing, wasn't it? It was, yeah, This was all about Martin O'Neill's confrontation with Robbie Williams in the BBC <laughs> studio. It was a dressing down, wasn't it, almost? It kind of was, but at the same time, it ended up being motivational too. I think it took Williams to a new level career-wise. I mean, look at it. Yeah. Trace it. Look at the graph. Look at the data. Yeah. You know, Robbie Williams was fucking coasting at that stage and it reinvigorated him. Mm. He pulled the choke on Robbie Williams' <laughs> career, on his engine. As he did on Robbie Savage and, you know, Steve Guppy. He's a, and he's players a, like that. He's a fantastic man-manager. Definitely. He yeah. knows when to put an arm around you and when to give you a rocket. And in that moment... He gave Robbie both. Yeah. Didn't do it at Sunderland, though, so fuck him. No. Um, the mascot for France 98 was Footix, mm. which was a cockerel in a blue jumpsuit with, like, a red, a shock of red hair. Yeah. Or feathers, you could say, with it being a cockerel. I like Footix visually. I think mm -hmm. it's good, because it's not tried to be too clever. They've just made an animal play football. Yeah. Which is, to me... You, you, look, either a foodstuff or an animal associated they, with your They country. borrowed it from 94 and that, that dog. What was the, the dog? You hated the what dog. What was the dog called you? again? Scorer or something? Striker? Scooter? Foot fuck. Fuck knows. Foot fuck, his name was. But, yeah, yeah. Footix. Anyway, you hated him, but yeah. I didn't mind him because he looked so happy. And it hadn't tried to be clever. And Not like I, Chow in 1990. Yeah, I mean, let's Prick. not go back down that. Fucking robes, we've already. I mean, I noticed that we've actually spent a lot of two podcasts talking just about Chow. So let's try to avoid the hat trick. But we've got it out of our system right, now. I don't really like the. I don't like the name Footix. I think they could have worked harder. Well, there's some alternative names that were considered before mm. Footix was decided upon. Gallic was one. Yeah. Uh, Hoopy. Yeah, I like that. And Raffy. Yeah, I like they that. They were too. all considered and rejected, and in the end, they went with Footix. So Gallic, well, that makes sense. But yep. what, what's the relevance of Hoopy and Raffi? Does it matter? Don't Do know. you need relevance? Don't I don't know. know. But all I would say is, spoiler alert, um, enjoy reveling in Footix because when we get to 2002, fucking hell, really? it's not good. I, well, I can't remember it. But exactly. I, I'm already getting angry in you, advance. You should do. I can see by your face <laughs> that, the, that the mascot for that World Cup is going to make me furious. You should do. And a little bit of a, a nice side story as well for Footix. 
um, his daughter is going to be the mascot of France 2019 Women's World Cup. He sired a daughter. He sired a daughter? Called Etty, and she's the mascot. That's the official line. who's the man? I don't know. Wow. Let's have a look. Etty looks like she's yellow, so she's a chick, so she must be quite um, young. Mm, So I'm guessing that Futix has just conceived her quite recently. Yeah. Um, well, so, fair play to him because you know '98. That's 20 years ago. I mean, but I suppose he might have just been a teenager, might have been a child. Yeah. So he could. Be he might be on his second marriage 40s. now. He could be in his early 40s. Second marriage, do you think? Second marriage. Probably had a reverse vasectomy. Yeah, had it unbuckled, so to speak. <laughs> My father sired a child in his 50s. Did he? Yeah. And people do it even later. So foot it, and the French. I mean, fucking, fucking hell. Des O'Connor. He sired one very recently, and Des is about 81, I think, now. Fuck me. Ronnie Wood, Rolling Stones, he's had twins. You might as well just give up, might you? And think of the way he's lived his life as well. I know, he'd be fucking knackered, I mean, I remember when when we were trying to have our first and second child, like, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about your spunk quality, isn't there? There is. Between you and your missus. Great deal of talk about it, yeah. And when you don't, when another month goes by and you're still not pregnant... Mm. They always think it's you because at the time I was still with the beer. Yeah. And they Doesn't think, help, does it? No, but they think you're with the beer, so it must be your fault because you're out on the piss and doing yeah. all sorts of things that are bad for you. Whereas, you know, wives tend to be quite healthy. And so, so you know, you sort of think, oh, no, yeah, it probably is my fault. We're not, we haven't, my spunk's probably shot to fuck. Yeah. But then you look at fucking 80-year-old rock stars like Ronnie, Ronnie, Wood. Ronnie Wood, who's lived only on Guinness and cocaine yeah. for like for the last five decades, and his spunk is still fucking firing think on all cylinders. You wouldn't even think he'd be able to get it up. Never mind, spurt it out. So now I look back, exactly. I mean, you would imagine a man like him, an ejaculation was just like a sort of a puff of kind of coal dust. Gas or something. Yeah. yeah. Horrible green gas I mean, kind of burped out of the end of his winky. My, my second child, my son, was conceived when I was very drunk indeed. Mm. And in spite of that, he's turned out fine. Yeah, He's so a good kid. It just goes to show. If there's any young men listening to this who are... This football podcast. ...who are under manners from their missus because you're trying to conceive a child. And it can take a while, can't it, Andy? They tell you in sex ed at school, oh... Even if you so much as look at a girl, she should get pregnant. Yeah. So wear a condom at all times. Mm-hmm. But no. It's not that simple, it, is it? It fucking can go on for ages. And your missus might be giving you grief, but our advice is go out, carry on doing what you're doing. Get stuck in, get the cans in. Yeah. Do anything else that you feel you want to do to make life more bearable. Because, you know, it's all in the lap of the gods. And then once you have sired a child, life becomes unbearable. Yeah, exactly. So you'll only Mostly. have to up the drinking yeah. then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you better line, get line in your stomach or whatever, building up your resistance now. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> England. France 98. Mm. Um, two years earlier, they got to the semi-finals of Euro 96 yep. under Terry Venables. And then Venables left. Glenn Hoddle came in, took over and, you know, got us through to the to the World Cup. Sort of squeaked us through with that with that one nil win, um, not the one nil win, the nil nil draw rather in Italy. After I was it, at that game after Italy had beat us one nil at Wembley. I went to that in Rome. Did you? Yeah. It was any thoughts, any reminiscences? Uh, yeah, I mean there was a lot of trouble, 
Um, but I went and sat in a neutral bit because I got my Italian cousins had got me tickets, so I. I scooted over. We went on scooters and managed to get in and out. Went on scooters from the UK. No, no, we scooted all the way. We went there. from the house on scooters <laughs> because it was it was fucking bedlam in the middle of Rome. You know, you know what they're like. They run around cutting people's bums. Yeah, that's their modus operandi. Yeah, they cheeky. Love, they absolutely love it. They jump off a vest, but they run up to some poor lad who's there from bloody Lincoln City. Slice his ass. Yeah, and he's just there having a nice time away, having a few beers, and they come out and run up behind him and slice his ass, and then jump back <laughs> on the scooter and run away, which is really cowardly as well. So I, obviously, I was trying to avoid having my ass sliced. Yeah. So I went with some Italians on the back of their scooters, and we sat in a kind of neutral but Italian bit, really. And then it was a it was a absolutely spellbinding game. I mean, mm. it was so compelling. It was so like because the stakes were so high. Yeah. And um and of course we'd lost to them at Wembley previously in the qualifiers, and England played magnificently. Paul Lintz had his head cut and all the rest of it. But there was a moment where Ian Wright was it been sliced? Nice front was his, his head own. sliced? Did someone run um, on him? A... Yeah. No. It was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Graham Lasso had to have a bandage round his ass for the whole second half because in the tunnel at half time, he someone had pulled up on a Vespa they used and to sing, slashed his batty. They used to sing on the terraces about Graham Lasso's sliced ass, didn't they? Yeah, quite a lot like that. Yeah, but we we made the mistake of standing up and we kept our mouths shut all the way through the game because we were surrounded by Italians. And then Ian Wright went through it like late on. Yeah, and it looked like he was going to nick it. And the excitement got too much and we stood up and shouted, go on, righty! And immediately a number of plastic bottles rained down on our heads. So Stanley we made our excuses and left. Stanley knives glistened in the night sky. Years later, I, I was met Graham Lasso and was talking to him about that night. And his ass. He, Yeah, about his ass. And he was showing me the scars. No, and he said, they actually, right missed that opportunity. The ball went straight up the other end and they nearly stole it. And a cross went in to Kasaragi. Um, immediately after Wright had just missed this chance and it, it was Kassarag who was bearing down on goal he almost had a free header and Lasso was the last man back Right, and he said obviously Kassarag was a big giant centre forward and Lasso was a very small pullback and he thought this is it we're going out we're not going to World Cup if yeah. this goes in and I'm never going to out jump him he said, so I just I just jumped and I swung my fucking elbow into the side of his head as hard <laughs> as I fucking could. He goes, and it half knocked him out. And Seaman or whoever it was in goal gathered the ball. He went, and that was it. We were through. Brilliant. Said, well, how did you get away with it? He goes, well, it was just fucking chaos at the end of the game. The ref was all distracted because there was so much going on. And I just thought, fuck this. I'll just fucking hammer him. So fair play to Graham, especially with a slashed ass. Exactly. And of course, Lasso's got a reputation as being a kind of an erudite intellectual yeah, kind of not footballer and not, not prone to that he kind of behaviour. He was a brute. And okay, he, was the, he was just the brute we needed that night. He wasn't the brute that we asked for, but he was the brute that turned up, as I yeah. think he said in Batman. Absolutely that right. the phrase? So, yeah, we got through to the World Cup. Um, Glenn Hoddle had his pre-tournament squad of 22, sorry, 28. And he um, oh, he had to dump six yeah. of them. And they were all sitting around by the poolside and they were summoned to Hoddle's room. Yeah. One by one where he was playing the music yeah, of Kenny G. Was he? To, he was, to relax them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, of course, Paul Gascoigne was one of the ones who was um, told he wasn't going to be going to he was biffed. France. And he smashed the fucking room up. Do you know the specifics of the smashing that Gaza did? I don't know. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you know? I, uh, no, I've, I know I there was a lamp might. that went over. Yeah, it was a, there was a lamp, wasn't there? He's, he's knocked that straight away. 
but um, apparently there was a lot of damage done because Martin Keown, I think, went in afterwards and the room was just a, a mess and Hoddle, <laughs> Hoddle didn't even acknowledge that the room had been smashed had up. He, or, had no, he defecated? I don't know. On Hoddle's desk? I'm not sure. That's what I would have done. In the drawer. <laughs> yeah, right in front of him. And I <laughs> stared him in the eye the whole time I was doing it without blinking. Who was the assistant manager who used to be at the shit? John Gorman. Cup? No. Oh, the one who did shit at the World Cup. No, it, 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 there was. A, I think it was. It was Grim Taylor's assistant manager yeah. at one point. He used to be able to do a shit. He used to sit, sit on top cup. of a wardrobe yeah. and shit into a cup. Was it Steve Harrison? Yes, I think it was. So Steve Harrison, apparently, he. Do we need to check that for legals? Yeah, let's just. I'm just googling now. But the way I heard it was, <laughs> he suspended himself. This wasn't in a World Cup, by the way. No, but it was in a qualifying campaign. He suspended himself between two bunk beds, with like in a star shape. There was two bunk beds on, on either side of a narrow room. Yeah. So he stood in a star shape, suspended, yeah. and shat into a small plastic cup yeah. from a distance. And Gra- Graham Taylor must have bought... He used to do it to entertain the lads. It was good yeah. for morale. He was but- Millwall coach at the time and he was sacked. Well, it was typical as a result Millwall, of that, isn't it? That's what typical Google's telling Millwall, me. always up to their old tricks. And... Uh, yeah, and Graham Taylor's like, oh, no, we can't be having that. Steve, Steve, Steve. Oh, no, what no, are I you think, doing, I think, son? I think Graham employed him subsequently. <laughs> he was at, he was at <laughs> Millwall at the time and now, then lost his job and then Graham took him on, took a chance now, on him. I want to take a chance on you because I think you're a great coach, but there'll be none of that shitting into a cup on my watch. I'll tell you what, you can do it just the once so that I can see it <laughs> and then we'll put it behind us. <laughs> do you see? You see, Steve, it's important that I can see you do it so I know what you're capable of as a man. <laughs> but then, then Steve, I, I have to ask you, please never do it again, not when you're wearing the three lions. Unless I request it of you. <laughs> Which I may. <laughs> it's impossible to say now. So, yeah, Gaza smashed the room up. And, yeah, Martin Keown went in and... Um, Hoddle didn't even acknowledge that the room had been smashed up, so let funny. alone offer an explanation, which like is just typical up, Hoddle, isn't it? Typical Hoddle. It's also reminiscent of Carry On Up the Kaiba, <laughs> where the banqueting rooms collapse and they just carry on eating. Very English, very stoic. <laughs> so I don't know who else got d- dumped out of the out of the squad, but Gaza was the only one we remember. So yeah, 22 of them went to the World Cup. Um, Eileen Drury was there. Did she go out to France? I, I think she was there. The, her services were available to the players should they need them, if they needed their heads touching or rubbing. And, of course, Ray Parler was the, did the classic, didn't he? He turned up, sat yeah. down in front of her and yeah. said, short back and sides, yeah. please. And I think Hoddle dropped him on that basis. <laughs> you upset Eileen when you did Eileen's that, Eileen's a right? grass, do you think, is she? She fucking grassed him. Fucking hell. Well, what I don't like about it is they still say to this day, oh, well, it was just up to the players and we didn't expect everyone to buy into it and it's up to you. Yeah. And that's that's what they say. Yeah. But the moment Ray stepped out of line and was in the least bit flippant, that was it. He was yeah. out. And that's mm. no way to manage the national side. Again, typical hodl. Mm. So um, in the group stage, England beat Tunisia 2-0. Then they lost to Romania 2-1. And then they beat Colombia 2-0 with um, David Beckham's first... World Cup goal or might have been his first international goal I'm not sure or that free kick against Colombia because we were really up against it we well, needed, he, we needed to win been, that he'd been dropped hadn't he and it was he really, wasn't fit was it, it was he not well no, I'm, I'm was, getting my World Cups mixed Hod- up Hoddle no he was fit Hoddle dropped Beckham and Beckham was the rising star and Hoddle seemed to have a thing against stars in a way because he'd got rid of Gaza yeah and Beckham had played enigmatic in, creative kind of players which, yeah. is what, which is what he was which yeah, is odd exactly Beckham 
had been the had played sort of right wing back in the three five two formation yeah. that, that Hoddle liked. He'd been on the right, Lasso had been on the left, and it had worked well. And then suddenly, in the opening qualifier, he decided, out of the blue, to drop Beckham and replace him with Darren Anderton, who'd spent most of the season injured, as usual. Yeah. But he thought Anderton could offer more. And then, after we lost to Romania in the second game... Is that when Beckham came Beck- back in? Yeah, it had been a bad performance. I think we lost 3-2, didn't we? And 2-1. 2-1. Yeah. And it was a last minute. Yeah, when 90th minute. And yeah. so you sort of think, oh, fucking hell. So he brought in Beckham, and he also that was when he brought in Owen. I think, because I think he'd been playing Sheridan and Shearer up right. front until that point. He brought in Owen and Beckham, didn't he? Out of necessity. And then, and then Beckham played in midfield. Anderton played too. But and, and the funny thing was, they've both been competing for the same spot. They both scored yeah. in the Columbia match. That's right, yeah. Um, but getting back to Hoddle, he'd, he'd been kind of neglected by Ron Greenwood in 1982 and kind of left on the bench. I think he got 30 minutes in the whole yeah. tournament. So you'd have thought he would have you know, appreciated or valued a creative player like he was. But no, he treated them like shit, like he was treated like Ron Greenwood. He it's, was, it's like the cycle of abuse, isn't it? He's what you call a maverick, but he was a self-hating maverick. Yeah. He'd sort of believed what he'd been told his whole life. Do you think he had low self-esteem? I don't think he'd ever shit off a wardrobe into a cup, no. put it that way. I don't do know you, what that says do, about do self-esteem. You, do you think that is a symptom of low self-esteem? I think No, I think that's a symptom of possible narcissism, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, psychopathic traits. What do you think it means if you regularly have dreams where you are doing a shit in public? I'm just asking for a friend. Um, I think it's it's a fear... Of being exposed as the fraud that you are. Oh my God, you're right. It's it's that thing of everyone seeing you at your kind of most base, warts and all, warts and all, um, and and you being revealed in in all your whatever the opposite of glory is, mm. anti-glory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Doing it. That's a very succinct way of describing doing a shit. Anti-glory. Public. Anti-glory. <laughs> A display of anti-glory, and it's and it's yeah, it it's it's that fear of you being revealed to to the rest of the world as a as a nobody. Oh, that's interesting. So pass that on to your friend. I, I will pass that on to my friend, whose name <coughs> is Peter L- Laptop Pace. <laughs> anyway, this, this is it. it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is it. 
So yeah, we got out, England got out of the group, um, and then faced Argentina in the last sixteen, and this was where it all started to unravel for poor David Beckham. No, uh, the match started well. Well, it didn't start that well because Batistuta scored a penalty for Argentina, but then Shira got a penalty, scored that, and then Michael Owen scored that goal, which is um, oh, it's a fucking gorgeous goal, isn't it? That one where he just ran and ran with it and it was belted one, it into it's the one of top my, of the net. It's one of my favourite all-time World Cup memories, really. I mean, you just couldn't fucking believe what it, was it, happening. It's just one of those things where players get get sort of things coached out of them at a later age. Yes. Whereas what he'd just done, he'd just got the ball and just gone, right, fuck this, I'm going all the way with it, and it's going in. I don't care who gets in the way, this well, is going to be a goal. It was... It, it puts me in mind of two things. One is it really was like a cocker spaniel chasing a piece of silver paper in the wind. Can I do it? it in the accent? I mean, go on. Tell like us a what cocker spaniel yeah. chasing a piece of silver paper in the wind. It was just like that. And it was also reminiscent. I mean, in the 86 podcast, we were talking about how the only explanation for Diego Mar- both Diego Maradona's goals... <laughs> Cocaine. With cocaine. And in a way, yeah. I mean, I would never say that cherubic, um, you know, nation's sweetheart, young Michael Owen, who was only 17 at the time, was on the gack. No, no. way. No way. He'd have, been, but, he'd have been on E, if anything. Yeah, it'd be on ecstasy. But looking at it, it does, I mean, it's the sort of thing that the thought would only come into your mind to do what he did <laughs> if you were on the gack. Because yeah. he's like, got the ball, should I lay it off? No, I think I'll just run past everyone and score. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a mad thought. And it did get coached out of him. Once we've done with this, I'm going to ring the Dave channel because I think 50 most cocaine goals could (laughs) could quite be a a good one-off documentary we could do for them. cocaine moments in football. No, just cocaine goals. Yeah, I mean, anything that's that audacious. And then that was wonderful. I mean, it was a wonderful night. I don't think I've ever celebrated... I feel like a lot of classic goals, ones that we've talked about in this series... And classic moments. I can't actually remember if you watched them, if you were distracted in the room at the time. Because you miss a lot, don't you, yeah. when you're watching a game? Yeah. Especially if you're somewhere... I mean, I don't like watching games in the pub because there's too many distractions. But sometimes you find yourself in that. You don't... You look back, you have false memories of seeing it happening. You think, maybe I saw it happening. Or maybe I was mm. half paying attention and then only looked up when the commentator... Do you hear the commentator's voice going, here's Owen? That goal... I remember very vividly watching the whole thing unfold in real time and having that thing where your eyes yeah. get wider and wider yeah. the further he goes. And when it goes in, because it's the finish is extraordinary as well. Yeah. When it goes in, you, you know, I remember everything about the celebration, everything very much like the David Platt goal we were talking about, where you vividly remember how you celebrated and how shocking and surprising the whole thing was. Right, and then um, Zanetti equalised for Argentina just on half-time. Um, Beckham did that kick at Simeone, got the red card in the second half. Mm. Um, in spite of that, we held on, and it was um, extra time and penalties that did for us again. Sol Campbell had a goal that was disallowed. Some say it should have been disallowed, some say it shouldn't. Does that still rankle with you? I'm not bothered. I, I, lost, <laughs> I lost interest in England. <laughs> I lost interest in England personally, after 96 when they got rid of Venables because it looked as if they were on the brink of doing something really special mm. under Venables that England hadn't done under Graham Taylor and hadn't really done under Bobby Robson. It felt like there was a kind of a progressive sort of football being played and Venables had the tactical awareness that was needed but then they just binned him because he was going to have a court case a few months later. 
Yeah, and, it was um, pathetic. He was he was he was basically too big for England Venables, and yeah. they didn't like it. But I actually happen to think that Glenn Hoddle was a very good manager as well, and I felt that he did continue the legacy. And and a lot of players, um, I, I can't I read so many football memoirs, even though I know they're shit. Mm. I just find them. It's almost like white noise. But anyway, the the players will often say that they a lot of them. They knew he was fucking bananas and yeah. weird and they yeah. found him annoying and all that stuff about him trying to <laughs> belittle players in training by showing he was better than In spite than of all of, of that. But in spite <laughs> of all that, they thought he was quite tactically clever yeah. and advanced and that mm. he he was taking on the Venables legacy. But imagine but if he'd course, been tactically advanced and not a nutter. Yeah, it would have been great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Imagine if he'd been Cup. tactically advanced and not claimed disabled people were being punished for yeah. former life. Imagine if he'd been, let's say, Terry Venables. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So that was England out of the World Cup. Scotland didn't fare very well either. They didn't even get beyond the group. Uh, they lost 2-1 to Brazil, but they'd hung on for most of that game um, until Tom Boyd scored an own goal right at the end, uh, which kind of took the wind out of their sails a bit because then they drew 1-1 with Norway and lost 3-0 against Morocco. So that was the end of Scotland. Um, I think at this point... While we're talking England and Scotland, shall we have a little listen to the to the songs that they, they put out? Oh, for very the World much Cup? so. I'd love to, yeah. All right, here we go. Right, that was um, yeah England and Scotland's efforts. The England one, of course, was the the unlikely combination of Echo and the Bunny Men's Ian McCulloch and the Spice Girls. It's a pretty that I mean, can you think of a more improbable musical pairing than that? I mean, of course you could imagine one, but one that's actually happened. Mm, Bowie and mm, Bing Crosby. Possibly, is it, is it weirder it's on than the, that? Mariah Carey and Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah, pretty that weird. sort of thing. Um, but it was it was a dirge, really, wasn't it? How does it feel to be on top of the world? We never found out. We never found out. And as for Delamitri, which is an interesting choice from Scotland... Um, also a dirge. Yeah, but fuck's sake, the sentiment of it is so defeatist. Don't forget that in 1982, their song was about John Gordon Sinclair from Gregory's Girl having an having amazing dream, dream yeah. that Scotland had won the World Cup, right, and he had played for them. And that's great, and it was really inspiring... It's one of the best sporting songs ever, mm. right? Th- now, just a few short years later, 16 years later, they're reduced to saying, oh, not like we might win. They're going, <laughs> just don't come home too soon. <laughs> Try and stay out there a couple of weeks, will you? Yeah. That's some- that- that'd be something. Try your best. When they just make a song going, try your best, that's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, my mum what kind of message the lyrics is that? to that song. We say that our children, but it's bollocks, isn't it? It's bullshit, yeah. So that was the song. We're very proud of you as long as you tried your hardest. Yeah. Bullshit. This is it! The England players had this thing during TV interviews. A little trick they were playing on the media and on the general public where they try to slip song titles into into the interviews. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know how I feel about that. It feels as if we were all being laughed at by these millionaires. Yeah, that's how I felt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, once I found out about it, I thought well, we just, they were just their playthings, their puppets. Yeah. It's almost like, like, let's make idiots of the people. It's like almost like subliminal advertising where you're trying to get a message across to someone, but they, they don't know you, you're doing it. <clears throat> Mr. Sausage. <laughs> um, what, do um, we have examples of what they did? We do. Gareth Southgate um, made the early running, apparently, by picking out... I think what they had to do was they had to draw out the name of an artist and then try and get as many songs in by that artist as they could. And right. uh, Gareth Southgate had Wham! or George Michael, and he was asked by Bob Wilson what he thought of the training facilities England had. And he said, it's, it's, hardly, tr- it's hardly Club Tropicana. <laughs> yeah, good. And then during the same interview, um, Bob Wilson tried to get some team news out of Southgate, and Southgate said, you won't be getting any careless whispers from me, Bob. <laughs> You've got handsome. You're right, they were laughing at us. They were. But at the same time, it's quite, it's quite well, it's well done. Yeah. They've and done it, it well. They you know, it there probably wasn't much to amuse themselves with while they were there, so they needed some kind of outlet. Imagine if you'd pulled out a band with more tricky song titles, though. Imagine, do you think that Half Man, Half Biscuit might have been in there? That would have been more amusing and entertaining, I think. So, you go on, ask me a question, and I'll pretend that I'm Gareth Southgate, okay. and I've just picked out. Right. No, I'll pretend I'm Paul Merson, because he was there. Right. And Merson's just pulled out Half Man, Half Biscuit. Big fan of Half Man, Half Biscuit, mm. Merson, isn't he? Paul, um, you've got Columbia coming up in the next match. Um, it's a make or break, you know, must win for England to get out of the group. How, how are you feeling about it? Well, you're right, it is make or break. If we win, well, we'll be like, we'll all feel like 24-hour garage people. <laughs> But, you know, if we lose, then I feel like I'm stood there wearing Joy Division oven gloves. That's, now, you see, I'm not going to go any further with it because it's clearly not working. But but that that just shows how difficult it was because you've, you've took a couple of songs there and you've blatantly dropped them in, but they didn't have any relevance to the answer you were supposed to be given. Listen, Steve, we built this village on a trad R tune. And uh, that's how we're going to continue to build on our performances. That's... I don't, I don't want a bad review or to work the purists, but if we win on Saturday, then all of us are going to have Dicky Davies eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't don't work blame me. Blame Paul Merson and half my half biscuit. Yeah. Right. So that's England and Scotland dealt with. Let's have a look at some of the. Um high-performing players of the 1998 World Cup, Ronaldo. Fuck me. Yeah, what a tournament. He had five goals leading up to um, the final. When he had an epi. And he had an epi on the fi- on the day of the final. The is, His head turned got, purple, apparently. you got to fucking hand it to him. Yeah. I mean, what a World Cup. Five goals and then a fucking then throws an epi just before the final. What do you Brilliant. reckon? Cocaine? E? What do you think? Yeah, maybe a heady Bit cocktail of, of the two. I Perhaps mean, a five-drug cocktail. It's, it's not that long after River Phoenix had um, was it not? Really? Is that the same near, time? Near the Viper Room. Right. Well, you know, it was the 90s. It was a few <laughs> years beforehand. It might have been 93, I think. But, like, yeah, outside the Viper Room. And he... I can't remember what they called that cocktail, but it was definitely ecstasy and cocaine together, I think. And um, Right. Was it a speedball? Was it? Is that cocaine and heroin? I'll I'll Google this. What was River? What did River 
Phoenix do. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. Um, yeah. Yes. It's been 20 years since River Phoenix died on October 31st, 1993. So just five years before the World Cup that we're speaking about at there. The, at the Viper Room, <laughs> where the 23-year-old Oscar nominee drank a speedball of heroin hey. and cocaine dissolved into a drink before chasing it with Valium, a cocktail that captured the imagination of a young Ronaldo then living in the favelas of Rio. Is that Wikipedia you're reading that from? Years later, he celebrated the fact that he had reached the World Cup final (laughs) with a pre-match speedball given to him by Romario. Yeah, the street cut. The street (laughs) And uh, then he... and uh, And this is Wikipedia, so obviously... It's not entirely legit. No. Then he had an epi and, and so they lost. Brazil lost. Right. I think the speedball is supposed to be injected into the eyeball, isn't it? To be taken properly. It's supposed to be done as a drink. Fucking River Phoenix drank Lightweight. it. Lightweight. No wonder he died. Yeah. <laughs> Drug abuse. So, yeah, Ronaldo um, had an epi. Um, he went purple, apparently, fell on the floor. Um, then he slept it off. And, um, <laughs> and they, picked, they picked him for the final. Um, should we reveal the final result? Sleep now? it off, mate. You'll be fine. Go on, have a Coke. Kick-off's not at 7.45. I'll tell you what you need, mate. Have a kit, then have a couple of Nurofen Plus, a can of full-fat coat, and then a wank. You'll feel fucking fine. <laughs> he wasn't fine, but he was well enough to take part in a World Cup final, and that's all you can ask well, for, people said He did his best. There was a lot of conspiracy theories, wasn't there, saying that Nike, yeah. who had invested so much in him as this icon of the World Cup, give him a were like, you, you've got to fucking play. You've got to play. Yeah. I don't care if you've had an epi. Fucking play. That's bollocks, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably bollocks. I can't imagine Nike doing that. <clears throat> no. Um, other great players from that tournament, uh, Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, what a goal. That goal against Argentina. Yeah. Great game, that, wasn't it? It was last-minute one as well, wasn't it? Last-minute winner. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that marred it was the fact that he was just inside a shadow overhanging the pitch oh. when he brought the ball down, which slightly spoils it for me. Yeah, the aesthetic but, um, beauty of but, it you is know, compromised. Dennis Bergkamp can do a lot of things, but he can't control the, the position of the sunshine. No, or fly on a plane without That's shit true, his yeah. pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can only get on a plane if he's wearing a big man nappy. Yeah. So um, Dennis Bergkamp, um, the other player that I've picked out is Zinedine Zidane, who got wow. sent off early in the tournament, got a red card against Saudi Arabia. He had that side to him, didn't he? He was a nasty bastard, yeah. Mm. Uh, too much ban for that, and he didn't have a great tournament, really, until the final, where he scored the same goal twice. Was it two headers? Two headers from corners, yeah. yeah. He scored exactly the same goal twice. Yeah, they let him go twice. Who the fuck was marking him? Probably Roque Jr. Probably Ronaldo. Do you remember when... Uh... Big Run said, if that's Roque Jr., I wouldn't like to see what Roque Senior looked like. Miss <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Run. Big Run. Um, so, yeah, Zidane was the hero of the of the final, but didn't have a great tournament, to be fair. Um, I haven't got that many notes for this one. I think it's because we're trying not to make it five hours long. Yeah. Uh, Davos Suka was great. The Croatia team were brilliant yep. that year. That was the golden Croatian team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They Suka, got to the semi-finals. Boxic. Yeah. Uh, who was the other one? Prozinecki? Um, yeah. Yeah, will have been. Uh, and they beat Germany 3-0 in the quarterfinals, uh, which I think everyone enjoyed immensely. Bilic, Stimac. Yeah. 
They had a great team. Yarny. Wasn't it Bilic that got Laurent Blanc set off in the semi-final by yeah, pretending he'd been hurt? For that. Everyone hated him for That's that. That's right, yeah. Um, so Croatia got to the semi-finals. Suka won the Golden Shoe, as it was then called. I oh. think it might still... I know, not, not the Golden Boot. Why is Strange. it not called the Golden Boot, for fuck's sake? It's a fucking boot, it's not, not it's a, a bit, shoe. It's a shoe. This sounds like something out of a loafer. Disney... He's not a fucking Disney princess. Yeah. Who got the Golden Bastard Award this year? The, the the top bastard award. Yeah. Um, it might have been Billich, I think. Yeah, just thinking, casting my mind over the tournament. What about Diego Simeone for taunting Ooh. out David Beckham? He must have been hmm. a contender. Beckham himself might have been a contender to some people's minds. Well, there was all of that that stuff afterwards where effigies of Beckham were hung yeah, in the streets was, and burned, and yeah, that was a that bit, was a, that a was bit a off, wasn't it? That was horrible. It was silly. I mean, why did any? I mean, it was it was so stupid. If you look back at it, you, so what if we fucking kicked him? Like it was Simeone who was the fucking problem. Why did everyone blame? What Beckham? did Simeone do? He made a fucking song and dance made him out kick of him. it, didn't he? No, no he still oh, kicked yeah. him though. You know what he's like. You know what these wily Latins are oh, like. Oh, here Andy. we go. Here They'd we have go. Been in his ear the whole way through. Same things about his mum. Same things about posh spice, and and niggling him. And then he's done a little kick. It was only a little kick out. And Simeone made a massive deal out hey, of it. Hey, Beckham, I am having sexy thoughts about your Victoria. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And your mum. Yeah, someone said, if you were going out with Posh Spice and someone was saying all that to you... you kick him. Even a mild-mannered man like you would have given him a little kick. Yeah, just a little one. Even if it's just down the street. Um, yeah, so I felt sorry for him, and I don't think that the West Ham fans should have hung an effigy outside that <laughs> I think that was a complete so, overreaction. Do we have a do we have a consensus then on who the King Bastard of ninety eight was? I think King Bastard was probably Slaven Bilic. As yeah. much as I love him, I think it was Bilic. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that then. Mm. Um other notable teams in the tournament, Romania, the entire squad dyed their hair blonde. Yeah. Bleach blonde. Um just for shits and giggles, I think. I don't that think was, there was anything was behind it, was wacky. there? That's a bit of a rugby club move, if yeah. you ask me. Do yeah. you know what I mean? We've got a great idea, guys. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It seemed like a good idea for about a minute after they'd done it, and then yeah. it just, was just ludicrous. Uh, France, of course, won the tournament. Uh, it's a legendary French team, isn't it? It was, yeah. And had quite an English influence as well. Frank yeah, Leclerc was in there. Petit, yeah, Vieira. Yeah, Petit, Vieira. Henri was a sub, but hadn't, hadn't signed for Arsenal Henri was still playing time. on the wing in those days. Famously, this team lacked a centre-forward. It had brilliant players Stephane in every Givash position, apart centre-forward. from centre-forward, which was Givash and Newcastle. He, he didn't score, but Newcastle signed him we'll anyway. Them. yeah. And, uh, and, he was, him, and he was shit. But if you think about it, had at the time, they really, you know, Wenger was yet to work his magic on Henri and turn him into a centre-forward. Exactly. That team, but with Henri up front, would have been even better. But then again, they won the World Cup, so what more is there to do? You can't, can't, win, knock a du- him, can you you? can't win a double World Cup. They had Lilliam Taram score two goals in the semi-finals against yeah. Croatia. Oh, and he did a good celebration where he went down on one knee and sort yeah. of rested his chin on his thumb and forefinger. Yeah. In a cool way, yeah. like a rap, like not a rapper, but like a '90s soul singer on the album uh-huh. cover, like with a bit of know. a rap influence, though. Yeah, well, like Montel a Jordan, New Jack Swing sort of thing. New Jack Swing, that's yeah. it. Maybe a Montel Jordan pose. Yeah, this is how we do it. That's what he was basically communicating to us. It was, and it was how he did it. Mm. Um, and uh, Brazil, of course, they had Ronaldo. We've mentioned Ronaldo, but they also had um, Bebeto. 
uh, Rivaldo and Leonardo, a lot of attacking options in there, and with Dunga protecting the defence as he did in 94. So they were kind of like the World Cup winning side of 94, but they had a bit more about them, but they didn't win it well, um, because of the speed ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad France won because it was an iconic French yeah, team. Yeah, it's nice Brazil to see had won a... it last time, and Brazil won it the next time, of course. But, you know, France, it was nice to see them. They'd never won it before. It was in their own country. They had a lot of really players who went on to be, be legends. And it was nice. And it had a good sort of social subtext to it as well, that French team, because it was um, so uh, ethnically diverse. It was, yeah. It was an encapsulation of the a new, French society. trusting, modern, diverse French society. So the whole country got behind that and went ape shit up the Arc to Triomphe afterwards. And now look at the world. Fucking hell. Awful place now, of Terrible, course. Isn't it? But back then, we didn't realise what we had. No. Diana had just Rainbow died. generation. Not that I'm saying that was good, but... Maybe that's what triggered it. Then, you know, Tony Blair, Bill Clinton. Montel, Montel Williams. Montel Jordan. Montel Jordan. New Jack Swing. Montel Williams is the American chat show host, isn't he? Yeah, but he was probably He was going. part of it. He was around. Yeah. These were the icons at the time. Jerry Springer. These were the people who defined our worldview. Judge, Judge the, Judy. Have you ever seen the clip of Montel Williams where <laughs> a dog comes out on its hind legs? But you know, like on American chat shows, they go, Welcome to the show. Yeah. Andy Dawson. And everyone applauds, and then you walk off. Yeah. You walk from stage left quite a long way. It's quite a long walk over to Montel where you have yeah. to sit next to him. And he goes, Welcome to the show. Fucking Rover or whatever his name is. You can look it up on YouTube and everyone starts applauding. And this fucking dog just walks in, bolt upright. And it's only got two legs. The other, the front legs have come off somehow in an accident. So it's learned to walk upright on its fine legs. And it just fucking rolls on. Uh, does it then um, sit down? On yeah, the, on it the sits set. down and then it, they start having a chat. This was the shit that was going down in 1998. Oh, and man. And we didn't realise, did we? We, we had it so good, didn't we? We were complacent. Yeah. There were dogs walking on their hind legs. Oh, there shows. were the Spice Girls collaborating with fucking Echo and the Bunny Men. There was ethnic diversity in all its beautiful glory up in France. We just assumed it would last forever, didn't and we? And we thought this Shangri-La will last forever. And now look at us. Fucking There's fucking hell. Mexican kids in cages. And where is fucking... What's his name? Montel Williams? <laughs> no, old... What's his name? Your mate from the 1986 World Cup. Um... PK Jalapeño Where is PK now when the Mexican children need him most <sighs> This has been World Cup Time Machine <laughs> This has been France 98 We'll be back in a few days time with South Korea Japan 2002 Thanks for listening Thank you the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.